Welcome to the Seated Above podcast, where you will be empowered to live an ascended life in Christ mystically, financially, physiologically, and governmentally. Here's your host, Brian Orm. In this episode of the Seated Above podcast, I unpack and demystify the crypto space specifically with Bitcoin to understand what is this revolutionary technology that allows amazing economic trade and incredible opportunity. So if you've been wondering about this Bitcoin crypto in general, how to get entered into that space and really to begin to understand the overlays involved, we're going to dive into that and more on this podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast Seated Above. Thanks so much for listening. It would be awesome if you can share a review, a rating, share it with your friends. This all helps get the Seated Above podcast out there, released, growing, and advancing. I really appreciate that. So this podcast is really about four main quadrants, the mystical, financial, physiological, and governmental. Today we're going to hone in on the financial quadrant and focus on the digital frontier. We're going to get digital today. And so I'm focused on the crypto sphere in relation to the digital frontier. And so that's what we're going to be really unpacking today of demystifying the space. So the language can be intimidating when it comes to crypto. All the different overlays that are involved in crypto can be equally intimidating. People may not know where to begin or they heard it's really bad, that it's too speculative, all these things that maybe cause some to be afraid. And so I want to help demystify all that space and help you understand what this is all about. So 2008, we had a financial crisis, the last financial crisis, um, which was also a banking crisis, by the way. And that financial crisis, out of it, the phoenix that came out was Bitcoin. The white paper for Bitcoin came out, and a mysterious person, Satoshi is his name. Nobody really knows who this is. There are theories on who it is, but nobody knows for sure. And so this white paper laid out this really completely revolutionary programmable money called Bitcoin. So 2009, when it launched, you know, very few people understood what this was. I mean, very few people. I remember being talked about it maybe in 2011. And I was like, I don't understand what this is. This seems crazy. It seems like a bunch of nefarious people are using this. And that's the thing with technology is sometimes the nefarious crowd adopts it first. And then it begins to be ground out into a more safe, practical, impactful way. And so in the very, very early days of Bitcoin, we did begin to see some nefarious activity around it. But since then, that is not the case. And so it's important to understand crypto, there's cryptocurrency, there are crypto assets, And so when you look at Bitcoin, for example, it's not a currency. It doesn't function like a currency. And so then we have to think, okay, well, what is currency and what is money? Because those are two different things. And so most people think if you're in the United States or whatever country for that matter, your fiat currency, so here in the U.S., that's our U.S. dollar. Most people would say that's money. 
It is currency. It is not money. It does not have a store of value. In fact, the value of the U.S. dollar has continually went down and down and down over time. And then historically, if you look at fiat currencies, they all have about a hundred-year cycle, and then they end. There's never been a fiat currency that has survived long-term. And so, interestingly enough, the U.S. dollar, as far as a reserve world currency, I think it was 1921 that was established. So we're at the 102 mark right now, 102-year mark. And so you're beginning to see some of the cracks in the U.S. dollar as far as value, but you're now also seeing it even as a reserve currency with some of the things that are going on uh, around the globe with people and nations shifting their focus away from the U.S. dollar as a world reserve currency. And so, again, the U.S. dollar is currency. It is not money. Money carries really five uh, qualities. And you see these in metals like gold, silver, for example. And it's divisibility, durability, portability, recognizability, and scarcity. And so we'll get into those in a little bit. But that's what kind of differentiates what money is because money has a store of value. So traditionally, and really historically for a very long time, gold has been one of the main stores of value viewed as money. Cultures and governments and institutions and entities, especially in times of uncertainty and war, people tend to go to the metals as a safe haven and as a hedge against inflation. And so Bitcoin really can be viewed as digital gold. It carries all the qualities of metals, but it actually perfects the qualities of metal. And then we've got to talk about central banks. You know, central banks, when we talk again about currency, the U.S. dollar, central banks have a monopoly on currency production. And so they can print as much as they want. I mean, when you really peel away the layers of the U.S. dollar, it is the biggest Ponzi scheme we've ever had. You know, a central bank can print as much as they'd like, and what they do is they externalize the cost, and then they internalize the profit. So the central bank here in the United States, what most people don't realize is there are private owners that really nobody knows who they are, and those private owners get 7% a 7% dividend on all currency that is printed. So when we went through COVID and there was trillions of dollars printed, these cats were getting 7%. So that's, what I'm, that's why I'm saying they internalize the profit and then the printing of currency will increase the rate of inflation that is externalizing the cost. Inflation is secret taxation. Inflation is also legalized counterfeiting, and counterfeiting is criminalized inflation. And so what happens is the banks can basically bend the rules to favor their ecosystem. I'm talking central banks here, the big banks. They can bend the rules. They can change the rules. Sometimes that's positive, but the fact that it can be changed is a problem. Think of playing backyard football or basketball or whatever sport for that matter or whatever game as a child and there were rules to that game 
Now, if the rules kept changing, have you ever had that one friend that kept changing the rules on the game as you played it? What begins to happen is kids don't want to play the game. If the rules keep changing, they don't want to play along. And so what we're seeing over time here is there's continually being a mistrust of the banking system. People don't really trust what's happening. If you look at when you when you take your currency, your U.S. dollars or whatever fiat currency you're using, and you take it to a bank, that bank can utilize your currency for whatever they'd like as far as investments. They can invest in gold. They could invest in Bitcoin if they wanted to. They can invest in real estate. And they're using your currency to do this. And they could loan out your money for someone to buy a boat or whatever it might be. It's fractional reserve lending. Fancy word for saying, we're going to take your currency, we're going to loan it out. So they're making interest on the currency that you're providing. And then they're going to share with you a very minute portion of that interest. And then as they loan it out, they get banking credits, which is more money for the banks. And so I'm not anti-bank. I'm just addressing there's there are some flaws in the banking industry. And there are some flaws in the crypto industry as well, by the way. There are bad actors in every industry. But when you look at the founding of our nation here in the United States, it was set up as a decentralized republic with checks and balances built in. It was about honoring the sovereignty of the individual. And so if you think of the U.S. Constitution, think of the U.S. Constitution as the initial code base. All the amendments were like updates to the code. So the Constitution is this initial code base really built on top of a moral code base called the Bible. The Constitution was a legalization of that moral code base. So the United States was founded in a Judaic Christian framework. So the Bible was the moral code base, and the U.S. Constitution was the legalization of that moral code base as that initial code base for the United States. Think of Bitcoin as a symbolic structure that empowers the sovereignty of an individual. In my opinion, it's the most superior monetary technology that has ever existed. It perfects the quality of metals, as I said before, so let's look at this. Here's the qualities of metals, divisibility. So divisibility, Bitcoin can be broken down into 100 million subunits called Satoshis. If you've got gold bars in your house, the divisibility of those gold bars is pretty difficult. You could sell the gold bars, but you're not going to be shaving off little flakes of gold off that bar. It's not divisible in an infinite way, and Bitcoin is. Durability. Information stored in a distributed format tends to be infinitely durable. Bitcoin, the blockchain, the Lightning Network, is a decentralized blockchain. There's a distributed ledger, which is what that blockchain is. At any time, anyone can do an audit of the supply of Bitcoin. There's no other asset where you can get a real-time audit of the supply. There's just nothing out there. It's the only thing. Then you have portability. 
So Bitcoin can move at the speed of light, the lightning network. Things are moving at the speed of light. Think of it this way, the physical frontier in the sense of going to space. So we, we need rockets to go to space. So we have SpaceX has their new rocket they're just launching, right? And so the space shuttle in the past, you had to have huge rockets, a massive amount of fuel. NASA is involved. The federal government is involved. You've got a physical structure that you need to get to space. Things drop off, and then you enter into space, into that spaceship. And the thing, when you go into space, you need that physical structure to go to different planets where we've sent probes and satellites. There needs to be a physical structure to that. So if we use this example, going into a digital frontier, there's no need for rockets. There's no need for a spaceship. There's no need for NASA. There's no need for the federal government. Things can move at the speed of light. And there's no third party required for these transactions, for this world of economic trade to take place. No third party needed. And then recognizability. So there are nodes. These are what verify transactions on the Bitcoin network. They verify in a distributed and decentralized network. Uh, node operators, I think there's about 80,000 currently on Bitcoin's network. And these are all computers that have the initial Bitcoin software on it. And that software cannot be changed. It cannot be manipulated. There's no amendments to this software code. It cannot be changed. And again, a node at any time can audit the supply. And then the fifth one here is scarcity. A fixed supply of 21 million coins. That's what Bitcoin will have. It cannot be changed. The supply can't be changed. The number can't be increased. It is safeguarded against inflation and counterfeiting. It is absolute scarcity. Now take gold and silver. And look, I like gold and silver. But the thing about gold and silver, if we want more, we will mine for more. We just dig more up. And then if you go off-world, there is a crazy amount of gold in space. Like ridiculous. You know, when stars are exploding, it's releasing gold into space. So there's just trillions and trillions of dollars worth of gold. So when we figure it out, which eventually we're going to, how to mine that in different places off-world, again, there's not absolute scarcity with gold or silver. With Bitcoin, there is. It is programmable money in that the supply cannot be changed. Once the last Bitcoin is mined and it reaches 21 million, no more will ever be mined. And so a decentralized structure like this resists corruption. It's the closest thing we have to a symbolic structure that cannot be destroyed. The rules in the code cannot be twisted and they cannot be broken. There's no bending of these rules. The rules can't be changed, so it's rules without rulers. There's no rulers. It's a decentralized environment. So think of Bitcoin as a public utility that transfers private property. Bitcoin is not a currency, it's property. It's like owning property. And the amazing thing about that is anyone in the world with an internet connection, a smartphone, can own Bitcoin. 
in many places around the world, they'll never be able to own property, have real estate, but this is a way for anyone to be able to own property. It has an opt-in and opt-out social consensus. Kids can play the games without the rules changing, (laughs) okay, to use that example again. There's nothing hidden. It's a completely transparent network. Every transaction is seen. You can see how much Bitcoin was bought today, what exchanges it was bought on, where it was moved to. Now, you don't see names of people and addresses as far as private addresses, but you can see everything that's bought and sold and traded. It's open source technology. It's a global decentralized organization. You know, Bitcoin empowers the average person to have a vote of no confidence in the central bank. You know, up until this point, there's nothing you could really do. You know, a traditional financial system was all there was. And now we have a digital frontier that empowers a person and the average person to have a no a vote of no confidence in a central bank. Now, Bitcoin has, just like our government, has three branches. Bitcoin has three branches of governance. You've got developers, nodes, and miners. This is what continues to keep the network secure. It's building the security of the network. New blocks are being created on the blockchain, which means a more secure network. And it's protecting economic trade on the Bitcoin network. We could think of Bitcoin as an upgraded version of the U.S. Constitution. It cannot be written, rewritten by those who wield violence or control or want to manipulate. It is resistant to politics because, is, because it's dematerialized. There's no physical structure to this. It's all in a digital frontier. And so... This is just one crypto. Of course, it's the granddaddy of the crypto space. It's the first. It's the largest market cap. There are many others, and there are many others that are awesome projects as well. But I wanted to focus simply on Bitcoin itself because it's the granddaddy. It's the first, and it really is truly a store of value. And if you look at the performance of Bitcoin, you know, if you zoom in, it's volatile in the short term. Short-term time frames, it can be crazy, wild swings. In the long-term, zoom out. When in doubt, zoom out. So when you zoom out and you look historically, it just goes up and to the right. And it will continue to do this. And the reason for that is absolute scarcity. As well as once regulation comes, which it's going to and is needed, there are a bunch of entities that represent enormous amounts of money. And they're waiting to come in. So sovereign wealth funds is one. Crazy amounts of money there. Institutions, corporations, and pensions. These four areas, once regulation is there, they'll have the guardrails to enter in. And if you just take a small percentage of those four areas, just say a small percentage got involved, that puts us at about a $500,000 Bitcoin just from that alone. Mass adoption has not taken place yet. This is still early adoption. So if you're thinking, am I too late? You're not too late. And if you want to learn more how to do this, I've got a free workshop called Go Crypto. I'll put the link in the show notes. I also have a monthly community where we meet once a month on Zoom. 
and we share what's happening in the space. We also pray, prophetically pray into crypto and into coins. And then we also have a Telegram channel, private channel, where there's all sorts of updates and a place to ask questions. And we're all learning. And there's Jedis in the space and brand new people in the space and everything in between. And so that's called Abundance Intelligence Briefings. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And then I have other resources as far as crypto. I have a crypto bundle. It's about eight hours of content. So there's a lot of ways to get educated in this space and to get connected with a community that's actually prophetically praying into this stuff. And so there are a lot of great ways to invest and see multiplication in many ways. I'm just focusing on one space here, the crypto space. But this is, in my opinion, one of the best opportunities um, long-term. So if you look at just this year, this is 2023, the first quarter of this year, Bitcoin is the best performing asset out of everything. If you take the first 10 years of Bitcoin's existence, it crushed every asset. Nothing got close to the performance of Bitcoin. And over time, we're going to see a million-dollar Bitcoin. That's not hopium. That's just math. Now, when exactly will we get there? I don't know. But it could be as early as 2030, which is just seven years away. And so these represent some incredible opportunities, and there are many more in the crypto space as well. But you want to just become financially literate. There's a reason the education system doesn't teach you about money. There's a reason most people don't know how to do these types of things when it comes to just investing in general. And so the thing that we can do for ourselves is begin to learn and research and become more literate. And so you can check out that free workshop, like I said, or some other workshops that I've done or the community or all of the above. Either way, get yourself literate. Understand God's given you power. Deuteronomy 8.18, he's given you power to create wealth. There is a divine substance, that power of God that he's given you, that is specific to the multiplication of finance. This is so that the nations would be blessed. There'd be legacy for family. The kingdom would advance. There'd be overflow from your life so that the abundance can bless those around you. And it'd be a sign and a wonder of the abundance of God. Prosperity is not the goal. It is simply the byproduct of our relationship with an abundant Father. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. That's a little bit about some crypto space, specifically with Bitcoin. And I hope it was helpful for you. And if you want to go a little deeper, check out those show notes. And I'll see you next time here on the Seated Above podcast. Peace. You've been listening to the Seated Above podcast with Brian Orm. If you've enjoyed the episode today, please share it with someone who appreciates living an ascended life. Want to go deeper into this type of content? Head over to iBorm.com to access Brian's courses, workshops, coaching, and more. 